Hey listeners, a quick word about today's episode. Yesterday and Today is a family-friendly show, and we're happy and proud that people from all across the world in all walks of life listen to our program. Today's episode contains the use of a word associated with hate speech and racism. It may be offensive to some listeners. In the interest of maintaining both historical accuracy and the context of its usage in the song in which it is used, we have left it in the program. Don't worry, after this, it's pretty much all Mary Had a Little Lamb for like a year. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy the show. The Yesterday and Today podcast is a fan-made, not-for-profit, just-for-fun compilation of chronological source materials as they pertain to the Beatles. The show is in no way affiliated with Apple Corps, nor any organization connected to John, Paul, George, or Ringo in any way, though we do consider ourselves premier members of the Bungalow Bill fan club. So kick back, turn off your mind, relax, and download the stream. We hope you will enjoy the show. Yesterday and Today. 1972, Part 4. In this episode, we will cover April 18th through June 5th. Still in April, John and Yoko are seen at the record plant in New York City, mixing and recording for their new LP. I know we're going to end up with that clean, clean, fucking recorded sound, which I hate. Okay. After me. Two, three, four. Standing on the corner, just me and Yoko Ono, we was waiting for Jerry to land. What come a man with a guitar in his hand, singing, have a marijuana if you can. Power to the people today New York City 
Recording engineer Roy Chikala remembers the sessions with the Lennons and Elephant's memory. They just went on and on and on, and John was part of them. He loved them. They were village-type recorders. They should have been in the garage recording, you know, with two microphones. But they, we tried to do it in the studio, and when we did make it clean, nobody liked it. So we had to go back into, you know, add the dirtiest sound we could get, which is easy to get. Not the distortion, but we're ready. But we had to catch them the first two hours of the recording, because they were never, never land after that. Uh, anybody got some grass? I think you understand. Oh, okay. We still haven't done it once yet. And it's fucking five in the morning. Send me some loving. Okay, Tom, it's, it's all right for now. Well, that's right. Well, that's right. Well, that's right. Well, that's right. All right. All right. All right. All right. 
phone. Oh, she's on the phone. Oh, fuck. Okay. All right. <clears throat> At the Immigration and Naturalization Services Building in New York City on April 18th, a deportation hearing is held against John Lennon. John is being ordered to leave the United States. John and Yoko attend along with their attorney, Leon Wiles. My recommendation was that they apply immediately for an extension for about six months or so on their visa. I went to see my old friend, the district director of immigration in New York, because I felt that he could grant an extension on the spot. And he said that he will look into it. We better go in, we're late, you know. We'll see you when we come out if you want. Can we talk to you when you come out? We have a number of matters that we have to take care of. When John and Yoko leave the Immigration and Naturalization Building, they face an army of newspaper and TV reporters. The Linens attracted a crowd at the Immigration and Naturalization Office in Lower Manhattan. They held hands throughout the 30-minute hearing as their attorney, Leon Wiles, argued against deportation. He asked for more time to try to get the marijuana conviction removed from Lennon's record in England. The Lennon's attorney, Leon Wiles. John told me that he had a conviction of possessing hash back in London about four years earlier. So I asked him, what is hash? I said, is it marijuana? He said, no, it's much better than marijuana. He said it's related, but it is a completely different substance. So I knew right away that there was a something to hang my hat on. He also asked for time to secure several prominent witnesses, possibly a member of Congress and a member of Parliament, to testify as character witnesses. Another complicating factor is Mrs. Lennon's eight-year-old daughter by a former marriage. The child is still with her father despite a court order giving her legal custody. Although Mrs. Lennon could be granted citizenship, she contends that deporting her husband would force her into an unfair choice between him or her child. Hearing officer Ira Fieldsteele denied a motion to drop the deportation proceedings, but he granted a two-week delay. They're even sort of changing their own rules to, to get us, you know, just because we're peaceniks, really. Do you think it's because of your anti-war, actually not your marijuana conviction, then? Well, I mean, let's say that uh, a few friends of ours in the pop business have exactly the same conviction as me and are allowed to come and go as free as they like. They just don't happen to have the same point of view as me, or they don't state it. Will you now stop speaking out against the war? No, uh, nothing will stop me, and uh, whether I'm here or wherever I may be, I'll always have the same uh, feelings and say, say what I feel, you know? Yeah. What's the status of your search for your child? Well, it's, we just can't find her, and it's frightening, really. And uh, what the immigration is asking me to do, really, is to take a decision on whether choosing my hus husband or my child. And uh, it's a terrible situation to be in. What kind of irony do you find in the fact that a marijuana conviction is one of the main sticking points in this think, thing? At the same time, the President's Council on Drug Abuse is yeah. asking you to campaign in its, in its effort against drug well, abuse. Well, as they say in politics, I'm glad you brought up that point, because I was thinking uh, we could live in Michigan, perhaps, you know, and we'll stay there till the rest of the country catches up to Michigan. that you love New York and you want to stay here. A lot of people are turned off in New York. What do you like about it? Uh, well, I've met a lot of New Yorkers who complain about it, but nobody moves out. <laughs> it's the greatest place on earth. And if this was Rome, I want to live in Rome, mm. not in Wales. 
New York is what Paris was and whenever Paris was for artists and this is the center of the art world and we want to be in the center. It is no, wrong, you know. I've heard a lot of legal proceedings, but I don't think I ever heard so many confusing terms. Did you understand anything that was said up there? Uh, not really. Well, I ask our lawyer. <laughs> I just know we're still here and nobody dragged us away, that's all. The district director of the Immigration and Natural Service, Marx, denied that Uncle Sam is trying to deport Lenin because of his anti-war views. His problem seems to be the marijuana conviction. And while that stands, there's no form of relief that's possible in his case. And even though he presents witnesses of the highest character, I'm afraid it can't overcome that conviction. And you don't think there's any possibility that the government is trying to harass the Lenin? Absolutely not. This is the kind of treatment we would dish out to anybody convicted of a narcotics offense. The Lenin's lawyer, Leon Wiles. The next day, he called me back. And he said, Leon, we want your clients out of the United States. I didn't know who he meant by we. He said, uh, because it's you, if you file an application for an extension, I'll grant a month's extension. But then, get them the hell out of the United States. To understand why the U.S. government was trying to get the Lenins out of the U.S., it was an election year, with the incumbent Republican President Richard Nixon being challenged by Democrat George McGovern. In 1968, at the Democrats' National Convention in Chicago, a violent activist group calling themselves the Chicago Seven instigated riots. The Chicago Seven consisted of Abby Hoffman, Jerry Rubin, David Dillinger, Tom Hayden, Rennie Davis, John Faronis, and Lee Weiner, along with Bobby Seale. The Chicago Seven were either convicted and served their time, or acquitted of all charges. Fast forwarding to 1972, the U.S. government still not trusted the Seven and suspected that they would disrupt both Republican and Democrat conventions. John and Yoko, who just were a catalyst in freeing John Sinclair last year, were viewed by the Chicago Seven as allies and befriended them to get them to join their cause. Rennie Davis. We need John to help us rise up like a hurricane to sweep this man Nixon and his war makers into the sea. We need John. Author John Wiener. Jerry and Abby and Rennie Davis have an idea. Actually, it's quite a good idea. Lennon should lead a national concert tour that will bring not just the rock and roll, but an anti-war message and voter registration across the United States. Now this voter registration thing is actually the key because 72 was going to be the first election in which 18 year olds had the right to vote. So the question was how can we get 18 year olds to register to vote, vote against Nixon, vote for peace? And the idea was well Lennon will tell them to do this and we'll have voter registration right at the concerts. And this would have been the first tour of the United States by any of the ex-Beatles since the Beatles' final American tour when they waved farewell in Candlestick Park in 1966. Six years, no Beatles, this would have been big. They knew that he could turn on millions of people. Thomas Hayden. And I, I remember going to the woods outside of Washington for a meeting that I thought was secret with Rennie Davis, uh, which shows up in the FBI files. 
at which uh, he tried to incorporate me into this scheme for the John Lennon speaking tour. Turns out that among the 20,000 people in Chrysler Arena that night, there's a FBI undercover agent who's taking complete notes on what everybody says, writes down the every word Lennon says, the lyrics to Lennon's song, he writes down, John Sinclair, it ain't fair in the stir for breathing air. This report gets sent to J. Edgar Hoover. The FBI's ostensible reason for being interested in this is they're supposed to protect the president at the Republican National Convention, and these people are talking about protest demonstrations. The same people who caused all those problems in Chicago in 68, and now they're talking about doing it again, but with John Lennon in the front. So they've got to be stopped. Of course, John wouldn't do it in the way that Jerry and Abby wanted to do things. But in his way, he was really trying to make it happen about uh, McGovern to be uh, the next president and, and also um, that we are uh, heading towards peace. So we were trying to, with our effort, we can make it. The Nixon White House decided they've got to be stopped. President Nixon's team saw the Lennons, along with the Chicago 7, as an unfair political advantage and wanted it broken up and stopped. Four days later, on April 22nd, in New York City, John and Yoko addressed the National Peace Rally in Duffy Square in the rain. Duffy Square is located in Times Square between 46th and 47th Streets. speaking but we all know why we're here it's great that you came in the rain and I read somewhere that the war movement was over <laughs> we're here to bring the boys home but let the people are the only people that can do it whether it's rain snow or hail you got to get out there every time right gonna say Vietnam long enough and try to understand them. We have to learn to understand people who speak different language from us. Okay, so basically, all we are saying is give peace a chance. On April 24th, Apple releases a new single by John Lennon and the Plastic Ono Band. 
The single is called Woman is the Nigger of the World. Here John explains the title. Well, this is a song about the women's problem. It was written by Yoko and I. And the song is called Woman is the Nigger of the World. And obviously there was a few people that reacted strangely to it, but usually they were white and male. But that's not... I'll tell you the story of how it came about. In 1969, I put it on the cover of the single so as it helps explain it a bit. Yoko did an interview with a woman about the woman's problem, and I didn't have anything to do with it. And then I noticed the cover, it was called Nova, it's an English woman's magazine like McCall's or something like that. And the first time I heard about it was a story on the cover of McCall's like that. And it sort of said, she, woman is the nigger of the world. Well, at the time, I was more of a chauvinist than I am now. And I must say, I was saying, well, come on, what about this and what about that? And I argued a lot. And then, as, as like everybody else, we talked more and more about it. In the last two years, it became more of a thing. And I had to, you know, find out about myself and my attitude to women. And this phrase of hers kept coming through my head, woman is the nigger of the world, woman is the nigger. So I said, come on, Yoko, look, this is it. You've said it here. I agree with you now. I think she is. She's the slave of the slaves. That's what Connolly said, the great Irishman. And so we sat down together and we wrote, uh, we tried to write together the whole story of, uh, as, as best we could in a three or four minute song. We make her bear and raise our children and then we leave her flat for being a bad old mother hen. Yeah, it's a bit corny, but I was trying to express that, you know. I love it. Oh, okay, I was sort of slightly embarrassed by, by the... It didn't live up to the title, I thought the lyrics did never express the title. And then, uh, luckily for me, because a lot of uh, stations were saying, well, we're not going to play this because it says nigger and a white man shouldn't say it. Though all my black friends uh, feel that I have quite a right to say it because they understand it. And then, strangely enough, the chairman of the Black Caucus, that great guy, Congressman Ron Dellums, Democrat California says here, he came out with this, which is fantastic. If you define niggers as someone whose lifestyle is defined by others, whose opportunities are defined by others, whose role in society is defined by others, then good news, you don't have to be black to be a nigger in this society. Most of the people in America are niggers. <laughs> I didn't say that. Oh my goodness, we'll never get him now. I think, I think the word nigger has, has changed. It, it does not have the same meaning as it used to. And I think he put it very succinctly there. And I really believe women have the worst. Whatever it is, whatever, however badly or poor people are, it's the woman that takes it when they get home from work. John said, It was actually the first women's liberation song that went out. It was before I Am Woman. It was banned again, but it was talked about. The singles released in America only. A large number of U.S. radio stations refuse to play the record, but nevertheless it manages to reach number 57 in the Billboard music charts.
children And then we leave a flat of being a fat old mother hen We tell her home is the only place she should be Then we complain that she's too unworthy to be our friend Our latest single with Sisters or oh Sisters on the back coming out now. It is out now, but they won't play it. Woman is a nigger of the world. Yes, she is. Think about it. In America on May 2nd, the New York Times runs an editorial on page 33 supporting John and Yoko's bid to remain in the States. The title of the editorial is Lenin's Deportation Hearing is Delayed. To support the campaign, the National Committee for John and Yoko is formed.
On Friday, May 8th in New York, John and Yoko make their second and final appearance during the second half of the ABC TV's The Dick Cavett Show! are John Lennon, Yoko Ono, Shirley MacLaine, and Bob Rosengarten and the orchestra. As John and Yoko promised in the previous year, John and Yoko perform with Elephant's Memory. Ladies and gentlemen, Dick Cavett! According to the card that's being held up, John Lemon is one of my guests tonight. John Lemon. And, uh, boy, you don't make a record for two weeks and they forget who you are. Yoko Ono and Shirley MacLaine. No, MacLaine is right, but uh, we'll be back. Uh, you remember how much you enjoyed John Lemon in um, Some Like It Hot? And we'll be back after this message. Thank you. See you. Next guest taped a 90-minute uh, show with me um, a little less than a year ago. Uh, can't be that long. No, quite a lot less than a year ago. Like a week ago. <laughs> no, sometime anyway. They, they said at that time that they might come back and sing sometime. There was so much to talk about that the taping actually ran on beyond the 90 minutes and we ran some of it on a later show. And anyway, they have kept their promise and I'm grateful because uh, uh, not only is it interesting to see them perform, but they are involved in a crucial court case here in New York which will determine whether or not they can remain in the country or uh, whether they face deportation back to England. Will you welcome, please, John and, uh, and Yoko Lennon. See both Very of you. Nice Let me see. Same to you. Thanks I didn't see you backstage us. at all. I wasn't. I wasn't avoiding you. I wasn't. Um... Uh, we were rehearsing, and you were yeah. putting your tie on. I was doing whatever I, it is that I do. I was you... watching you talking, Dick, and it's beautiful. You know what you believe hey, in, and name? all that. <laughs> now, wait a minute. <laughs> you say it, John. You're leaving anyway, right? <laughs> <laughs> I thought it said we, McCartney. We, we, it? McCartney. No, you I thought didn't. it said? I've got your bad eyes. Huh? Somebody who can govern very well, it <laughs> sounds like. Wait, wait. Yeah. Watch yourself, watch yourself. Yeah, forget it, forget it. Say so you're not fat, I'm... I, I couldn't help noticing that you're malted not... Malted milks? Well, Even all though it... I eat malted milks, I'm, I'm not putting on too much diet. weight. Huh? What is that? I'm a freak for malted. There's a rumor going around that you were, uh, had gone practically overboard, as we say in America, on malted milk. I know, you see, well, we don't have things like that in England, and so uh, most kids eat like it here, not adults, right? But I'm crazy for it. You often see me down at Nathan's sucking on a malted. What, <laughs> what, what do they have in your, your poor underdog country? Well, they have sort of not as many food. ice creams and, you know, lousy milkshakes. Curds and whey, a lot yeah, of that. really uh, sort of, you know, plastic stuff. Yeah. And it's, well, I really dig it, you know. I was on cheeseburgers, but I got over them. A <laughs> <laughs> round of applause for cheeseburgers. <laughs> it's be. never going to get over TV. <laughs> TV, like... 
What's he doing? Uh, well, somebody flapped cheeseburgers. I thought we'd get around for oh, breadfruit. Yes, we have to be careful of your adolescent complexion, don't you, with these things? That... Well, I do, you know, and I'm 31. <laughs> Say happy birthday in the past. Oh, you, thank you're, you, yeah. Um, we you, haven't seen you since then. I'm you 31. went way over 30 sometime. Yeah, right? 31 and rising. Yeah. I wouldn't go back, though. I wonder, did you see Harrison when he was on here? Yeah. What was he saying? Capital, capital. You know, he started a riot with that thing. Yes, he did a joke about you. Well, I should explain oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, I saw it. Harrison came on and he said, I want to plug, I forget what it was of yours, because he said there's something they forgot to plug. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was nice of him, too. It was the album, probably. Yeah. Or whatever. I can't remember. But I, as I, I should have explained that. On that show, it did look like there were sort of three plugs in a row, but it's because we taped and then we had so much that we put it together out of sequence and it thank looked like you, thank you. it looked like you. Uh, I, I'm not ashamed of plugging because you know, I mean, people come on to plug something, right? I Everybody's mean, we selling something. What we do, you know? And it's not you like plug everything but presidents, right? Yeah, sure. But I think you did it all right. Yes, <laughs> you got, got the message. Uh, lead yeah. in through clever. What? Oh no, you don't have to read that. Oh, eleven. <laughs> I'd like to know. I do want to know about the about thing that's the case, in the yeah. it's in the papers. Yeah, what to. Well, you want to tell him yes. about the case and everything? See, there's some people um, feel that we have to maybe leave this country, and uh, that puts us in a position, especially for me, that um, I have to choose between um, my husband and my child. Explain that. Why? Well, A, we have the two papers with custody, but we don't know where she is still. We haven't a clue where she is. She's in America somewhere. So we've no idea. We can't tell immigration or anybody when it'll be all over or when we know what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And they began, they began to say, intimate to us that we were using that as an excuse to go on Mike Douglas, Dick Cavett, and things yeah. like that. But all it is that we're not going to just sit in a box while we're, while we're doing while we're in between court cases. We have to live our life. And to work is the only way we can keep our minds off it because it's killing her. It's two years since she's seen her and one year since she's spoken to her on the phone. And immigration's policy has always been not to split a family. So they're saying that seeing as Mr. Lennon is not eligible because I was bust in England in 1968, planted by the way, but bust. I pleaded guilty on lawyer's advice. She was three months pregnant and all that. It was a real drag, but I did it. And they, I paid my $100 fine or whatever it was. And uh, then they say, well, because I'm not eligible, rather than split a family, be, although there's nothing against Yoko Ono, you'd both better get out. We're saying, but if you don't want to split a family, let us stay here because our daughter's here. She has to choose between me and the daughter. And A, she doesn't know where the daughter is. We don't have a clue. We just know she's in America somewhere. And, you know, John's uh, this drug case, which is a possession of marijuana case in 1968. It's four years ago. And uh, it was planted, and the surgeon who actually came to uh, arrest us is now suspended from his uh, uh, previous job. He also because, did the same to George Harrison. You know... Mm -hmm. There's some question about his method of arrest. And uh, they're all saying, uh, the immigration office is saying, well, this is only because of the drug case, you know, and nothing else. But uh, the, the strange thing is people like Donovan, Keith Richard, Mick Jagger, uh, Mick Jagger George, George Harrison, Harrison, all have exactly the same exact case. Exactly the same me. record around the same time. And they can come and go, you know, I think, you know. anytime so what is they it can. There? It was. He was a headhunter. Yeah. What is and it the they're asking you for? They're after, about they're after us because we... We talk about peace, you know. I mean, because we we want we we want peace, you know. We've said the same thing for two years, different way, one way or another, and we believe in it. The only thing we promoted was peace and love, and uh, there've been some rumors like uh, we might go to um, 
San Diego to, you know, disrupt the... We're getting uh, blamed for the uh, Chicago Convention, convention now. Things like that. <laughs> it's, it's no kidding. Chicago. When we approach people for help, somebody, somewhere, rings them up and says, these people are criminals... Uh, if we were offered, we were given a job on the Drug Abuse Council to help people try and explain drugs in a realistic way to kids mm -hmm. because uh, nobody else is doing it, then immediately we got the offer. Somebody rings up the people that offered us and said, what are you letting those criminals on for? Uh, don't, uh, don't you know that this, that and the other? Don't you know that? And somebody else rings up and starts talking about they had something to do with Chicago. And the first time we'd ever heard of Chicago is we saw a... a an, a play of it done on British TV. That's the first time I'd ever heard. Because we were they think we're going to San Diego or Miami, wherever it is. We've never said we're going. We ain't going. We're There'll be no going. big jam with us and Dylan because uh, there's too much going on. We never said we were going. Mm. Uh, that's there, it. There was an editorial in, uh, in the Times the other day, and I know there have been in other papers, oh, that was great, yeah. uh, which I completely agree with. I mean, I think it's shocking if you're being deported, and uh, it's ironic that it would happen in the same year that Chaplin was mm. given an award after 20 years of the, uh, 20 years after the. A similar kind of nonsense, uh -huh. um, but um, you're more but responsible I mean, for the expression of love and peace in the arts than anyone practically in the 20th century. That's very nice. Thank you. Well, anyway. Let me try and get this one in here. At this point in the show, which was taped a week ago, John and Yoko got into something which ABC feels may develop into, in their words, a highly controversial issue. Uh, it revolves around the song "Woman Is a Nigger of the World." and the obvious fact that some members of our black audience will or may be offended by the use of that word. In the next segment, John Lennon gives his reasons for writing the song and for using the word. I permitted this insertion into the show that I'm doing now as the only alternative to a full deletion by ABC of the segment. Watch it. Let us know what you think. Uh, yeah, we anyway, yes, uh, you have a record here that bears some explanation because there's a bit of... Uh, hassling yeah, going on as to whether or not it can be sung or not. Yeah, there's always uh, every other record I seem to have a hassle with. Yeah. Well, this is a song about the women's problem. It was written by Yoko and I, and the song is called Woman is the Nigger of the World. Would you two menaces to society do your, <laughs> do your number? Thank you. Yes, we'd love right. to.
It's a New York group, Elephant's Memory. Right? Group is Elephant. They're going to be performing in Washington Saturday, Square. Washington Square at the Methodist Saturday. Church this Saturday for yes. benefit. Are you sure it's this Saturday? Yeah, it's this Saturday. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah, we you know what I mean. Yeah. Right. How dare you foreigners walk in here and induce hysteria into our studio? <laughs> it's frightening. Say, there may not be much difference. Have I met the best two of the uh, former Beatles, would you say? I know you and Harrison. I know that puts you on the spot. No, I wouldn't say that. It, it, I think you should meet Paul and you should meet Ringo. Yeah? I think Ringo you'd have a good time with. What does Ringo do with his time? What, what does he read, for example? Uh, read? He loves science fiction. He does? He, in fact, he loves it so much. He's, he's handling Apple films a lot these days. And he, he was in some mad spaghetti western. <laughs> yes, we won't mention that, but I think he was all right in a weird film. You know. I, did, I didn't see that. But he's making a movie now of T-Rex, which is a new sort of phenomenon. You know, the kids are all crazy on him in England. And mm -hmm. he's making movies and acting in them, so he's happy there. We'll be back after this message. Stay yeah! Try and be respectable. We only have 30 seconds left. John Lennon, Yoko Ono, Shirley MacLaine, or Lemon, if you prefer. I noticed the lady who bought my tie has left with it. That's interesting. The seat is empty. Monday night, Betty Davis and Peggy Wood, and Tuesday night, 90 Minutes with Jack Parr, believe it or not, and we'll see you all then. Good night. On Friday, May 12th, originally scheduled for the 5th, the Wings single, Mary Had a Little Lamb, backed with Little Woman Love, is released in the UK. In contrast and in reaction to the banning of Give Ireland Back to the Irish, Paul deliberately recorded a nursery rhyme. Wings drummer, Denny Sywell. We were trying to be a rock and roll band, and Paul said, i got to write some more rockers. We need some more rockers for the tour. And, and, and I said, let's do Mary Had a Little Lamb. Went, yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, we all kind of giggle at it, but just went along with it. There was a lot of things that we giggle at and just went along with, you know. Because we were a band, but it was still Paul McCartney's band. He was the boss, you know. Wings rhythm guitarist, Denny Lane. <laughs> this is what I, was, I didn't sign up for this, Paul. <laughs> it's Paul being Paul. Uh, yeah, I kind of tongue-in-cheek it myself, you know. Oh, yeah, okay, all right. You know, I think what you've got to look at is that it's like saying, why did the Beatles do, you know, Yellow Submarine? Do you know what I mean? Because you can. It's like, <laughs> why not? I mean, I always thought that with Paul. You see, it's all about the humour and, and the attitude in the band. And if he wants to do something about Mary Had a Little Lamb, that's up to him. But Mary Had a Little Lamb, Mary was his daughter. Paul McCartney. One of my daughters is called Mary, you know, and I just happened to be singing a song, and because her name came in it, she perks up her ears, you know. So I happened to but write a song like that. Mary. She sings on it, yeah.
were quite a departure from heavy political statements, but that's what Paul, Linda, and Wings flew with. It pleased the BBC with its blandness much more than the irate Irish single, and did rather well in both British and U.S. markets. Paul tells the New Musical Express, Mary Had a Little Lamb wasn't a great record, but the funny thing about it is we've got a whole new audience of young kids, like Pete Townsend's daughter. On Saturday, May 13th, John and Yoko, along with Elephant's Memory and David Peel, are scheduled to appear at a benefit concert in New York City. It's being held at the Methodist Church at Washington Square. It's a beautiful place, the village. The kids are still coming from out of town to the village, and they're singing. Uh, there's a nice guy singing the smoke pope, that the pope smokes dope, and so, all the sort of songs in Washington Square. It was beautiful, you know what I mean? The, the pope smokes dope! The dope smokes pope! The pope smokes dope! The pope smokes dope! God gave him the grass! The pope smokes dope! He likes to smoke in mass! Oh, 
Back in England, on May 15th, at the Manor Studios in Oxfordshire, Paul begins mixing the tracks intended for his upcoming LP now titled Red Rose Speedway. Wings leave Manor Studios, energized by their new recordings. They assemble now in London on May 22nd for a week at the Scotch of St. James, located at 13 Mason's Yard. 
they booked the nightclub and rehearsed for their upcoming tour. On the 25th, Wings take a break from rehearsing to record their first studio appearance on Top of the Pops, where they mime a live performance of Mary Had a Little Lamb. On June 3rd, Melody Maker announces Wings to play official tour, revealing that Paul McCartney's Wings will be playing British dates in London, Manchester, and Glasgow during July, and also making an extensive tour of the continent. The report adds they will visit France, Germany, Italy, Scandinavia, Belgium, and Holland. Meanwhile, George Harrison and Ringo Starr fly together to New York City. 
George is there to collect a United Nations UNICEF award titled Child is the Father of the Man on June 5th for his efforts from collecting money for the people of Bangladesh. To date, the money raised from the album stands at $1,320,000 and an additional $255,000 from the concert. So the concert made uh, $250,000, which actually is really very small in terms of the amount of money from the record. That way we can feed the starving people. And uh, that's it, it just snowballed. George is also in New York to oversee that the funds go straight to the refugees via UNICEF. Back in London at the BBC Television Theatre in Shepherd's Bush on June 6th, Wings shoot a new videotape clip for the song Mary Had a Little Lamb. This clip features the band miming the song at what is supposed to be the bottom of a hill with Paul playing piano and the band laying about playing their respective instruments. This is all intercut with animated sequences to illustrate the lyrics. The produced clip is inserted in the long-running BBC One children's show, The Basil Brush Show. Aid with the promotions of Mary Had a Little Lamb, Wings appear in two further video clips. The first features the group miming the song in a barnyard setting. Paul is seen playing the song on the piano while a hen perches on top of it. Linda is cuddling a lamb and then singing the song while playing bongos. The second performance, affectionately called the psychedelic version, features Wings performing the song in matching orange t-shirts and dungarees with strikingly bright blue, yellow, black, and red colors appearing in the background. Coming up in a moment... John and Yoko release Sometime in New York City. Turn it down, it ain't that good! And Wings followed up their storybook song with a European tour in July, starting in France. Next on Yesterday and Today.
For more information or to contact the show, visit yesterdayandtodaypodcast.wordpress.com or email at yesterdayandtodaypodcast at gmail.com. Also visit at yesterdaypod on Twitter and search Yesterday and Today Podcast on Facebook. See you next time. I'm Paul Kaminsky. I'm James Kaminsky. And I'm Wayne Kaminsky. And we bring you the Kaminsky family of podcasts Yesterday and Today and the Third Men podcast. You might know me from one of those dumb voices I do, or my dad (laughs) from his better show than ours. (laughs) Wow. And we're here to tell you about some cool merchandise you can pick up for the show's As we mentioned in each episode, we do not in any way profit from these shows whatsoever, but to break even on some expenses, we have put up some cool merch that you can pick up to help support the show. Yes, some fun apparel, things you can put on yourself. Are we going to be selling Marks and Spence underwear? (laughs) Don't worry, we will. You can head to our social media pages. That's Facebook.com slash Yesterday and Today Podcast or Facebook.com slash Third Men. Or you could head to Society6 dot com slash Kaminsky Family Podcast. That's society the number six dot com slash K A M I N S K I Family Podcasts. Yeah, keep our lights on. I'm in the dark. <laughs> Dad, any words of wisdom? Hello, the lights just went out. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we need your help. <laughs> Buy stuff. Perhaps a coffee mug that you can enjoy a beverage out of while listening to our shows. And if you haven't got yours, please send forth in and get a free one. All right. Thank you, Dad. All right, we'll see you on the podcast, folks. Bye. It's audio. You can't see me.